Hi, my name is Andrew, and shamefully I've seen very few films. I am Citizen Lame, but that's all about to change. Each episode, my friends Dylan and Simon Streep will be battling it out to convince me to watch their movie of choice. Welcome to Citizen Lame. He hasn't watched many movies, he's a pop culture pariah. If he says he's watched The Mask, just assume he is a liar. I must select your movie if you want to win the game. His name is Andrew, known as Citizen Lame. Dylan! Hello! Simon! Hi there! It's nice to see you guys. I've got a question for you to kick off this episode. What is the first movie that you saw at the cinema? Uh, that's a tricky one. I, I, I think I might have seen Aladdin. Um, and I had to do oh, some nice. research today to check on the, the years of release. Not that the international slash American year of release back in the 90s would probably be very accurate for the South African release. But let's assume that they all rolled forward at the same slow pace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I may have seen Aladdin. But what I remember wanting to see was Jurassic Park, mm. the um, Steven Spielberg, Michael Crichton classic. Um, turns out I was too small. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Too, too young or too small? Too <laughs> because I can't imagine a situation where you're in the line, they right. see your height, and you're like, well, you're not going to be able to see the cinema. <laughs> you're so short. Oh, but Simon, you and I, I think we've gone through life where being too young and too small almost go hand in hand. Andrew Kerr, on the other hand, yeah. has probably never been too small, but often too young. Yeah, I mean, I could see, you know, age-restricted movies at the age of five, but <laughs> I was too at, scared. At the height of two meters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, so I, I really wanted to see Jurassic Park. My world was dinosaurs. I was like, well, every kid seems to be a dinosaur yeah. kid, it turns out. In fact, sidebar, I've been wanting to bring this up somehow, and I've just uh, worked it straight into my <laughs> own conversation. I always thought that it was special to like dinosaurs or whatever. Uh, and no. I was like, yeah, <laughs> when I have a kid, it's going to be a dinosaur kid. And I keep the dinosaur thing going. Every kid is a dinosaur kid. <laughs> yeah. I went on a walk with some people and most of their kids were dinosaur kids. Mm. Most of the unknown kids we walked past were dinosaur kids. <laughs> yep. Why yeah. does that happen? You both have kids. Why do, why do kids just fall ass backwards into dinosaurness? I think the moment you realize they once existed, you're like, whoa, that's cool. And it's impossible to not get drawn into that world. I mean, yeah. think about like... You walk outside today, you look up in the sky and you see, oh, there's a pigeon. That's cool. Yeah. Imagine looking out your window seeing a pterodactyl. <laughs> it is way cooler. Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to the story. It's got a sad ending though. Okay. I was too small and too young to watch Jurassic Park with mm. my dad and sister. And so I went to watch Homeward Bound with my mom. <laughs> the, uh, the tale of three semi-talking animals and their journey home. The whole time did you just imagine them as dinosaurs? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I do remember it ending earlier because it was a shorter film <laughs> and uh, sneaking into the back of the end of wow. like, Jurassic Park wow. and catching a bit of that action. What a rebel. So I was obviously, you know, quite keen to see the full thing. And a mere 14 years later, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first film I saw was The Little Mermaid. Because mm, uh, ah. I was little at the time, so it made sense to go watch Wait, things. little or young? <laughs> <But> <laughs> and um, I, I, similarly, I was trying to figure this out because obviously movies here came out later. It was kind of like by the time they came out here, uh, they were already just giving them away for free <laughs> with like Happy Meals in the States. Yeah. So I think Little Mermaid was released in 1989 and I would have seen it in 1990, which would have made me six years old. Okay. But then what's really bugging me is I was trying to think of what was the second film that I saw. And I can only think of films that took place 
like two years after that, like I'm pretty sure I saw Aladdin at the cinema as well, yeah. and potentially Beethoven and Home Alone 2, which were the same year. What on earth happened in 1991? Why was I not going to the cinema? <laughs> and also what's weird about this is if you Google like children's movies, like 1990 and 1991, four or five films like show up. Yeah. Whereas now if you were to Google like children's movies 2010, it would just be a list of 75,000 yeah. films exactly because I did it. Whereas back <laughs> then, there was like nothing. That is a lot. Maybe what that, were you doing in that time? I was going to say maybe it was your French Nouveau, like <laughs> your patch. Yeah. yeah. You just kind of watched Art House. Maybe. I think um, I, I, I haven't fact-checked this. I haven't got years and dates and stuff like that. But uh, I think the first movie I watched was The Lion King. Oh, my yeah. 24. Good, good choice. Film. And um, I'm pretty sure I cried copiously. Oh, you would hope so. I yeah. think a child seeing The Lion King for the first time at the right age who doesn't cry it probably needs to be put on a list. But Ooh, I'm not sure if I, I don't cry. A watch list, really. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not like I clapped. <laughs> All righty, let's begin. Here's how it works. Dylan and Simon have each chosen a different film and will be competing against each other in an effort to get me to watch their film of choice. The plot twist is, I don't know what movie they've each chosen. Each round they'll pitch an aspect of their film in order to convince me, by any means they can, that their film is better than the other. After five rounds, the person with the most points will reveal the name of the film which I have inadvertently chosen to watch. And then, I actually have to watch it. But first, let's talk about last episode's winner. Twister! Uh, by that do you mean a bunch of people driving around trying to get their balls into a tornado? <laughs> that, is that was the um, alternate tagline, yeah. <laughs> what did you think? I, I love the pacing and the storm chasing. <laughs> oh, very good. Another uh, logline. Um, <laughs> you'll love the pacing and the storm the, chasing. Some things that I noticed about this film, because uh, I give excellent reviews, as yeah. we all know, <laughs> yeah. is that the twisters really growled. I think they added like lion noises. And <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of scary. Are you sure that yeah. they, the Twisters themselves hadn't picked up some stray lions <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, going there's, through the Serengeti? There's definitely one Twister yeah. that moves. <laughs> well, I was going to say on, on the scene where, where the cow flies past uh, comically. Yes. It's very early in the film. Yeah. It's like earlier than I suspected to see a cow flying past. <laughs> um, what I would say is that that cow reminded me of a, another certain cow. I oh, know. Maybe a cow <laughs> in Kung Pao. <laughs> oh, this, this is the same VFX house, maybe. This is Andrew's uh, mission on the on the backhand of Citizen Lame to try get me to watch Kung Pao enter the fist. Yeah, well, this well, is the thing. We've realized why he hasn't watched many films. It's because he went to his house when <laughs> dreaming about season two and happened upon his bookshelf yeah. that one of the only films he owns yes. is Kung Pao. Now, I, if, if I thought that's what the standard of film was, yeah. I would turn my back on a film as well. Also, uh, Simon, if if I had to ask you to name, uh, let's say, there's there's about eight or nine uh, cinematically released uh, X-Men films. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to buy one of them on DVD, would it be X-Men Origins Wolverine? <laughs> no, 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 that's no, no, the no. one that I burned. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know, but have you seen the helicopter scene? It's yeah. Like, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> okay, let's let's go back to Twister. Um, so, Philip Seymour Hoffman is a joy. Good. And, and he... Like, he was just so animated. I think that's the most I've seen him animated apart from he's probably done an animated film. Um, <laughs> the other thing is I'm pretty sure that you can't get that close to tornadoes. It felt like they were, like, I don't know, 20 meters away from the tornado. Yeah. And that is currently carrying a truck. I don't know how you're picking that up as the part that you found irrealistic. 
the very opening scene lost me <laughs> when they oh. they kind of hark into the uh, the bunker, the bunker yeah. to get away from the tornado. Yeah, and then um, the dad is closing um, the, the hatch. Yes, yeah. and he's standing by the hatch, and daughter and mother are standing. Just a little bit behind him, <laughs> and for whatever reason, yeah. tornado comes. He goes flying out the hatch, but they're perfectly safe. If he just not bothered closing the door yeah. and went to go join his family, he would have been fine, according to the movie. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Why does he have to close the hatch? I thought you'd have loved um, a scene with a hatch. Ah, uh, there were loads of lost references. For starters, the tornado so many times looked like the smoke monster. Yes. Did totally. you just say there were lost references? Yeah. I think lost references <laughs> Twister. Well, possibly. <laughs> I mean, Lost the, deals with time travel. You can't oh, be sure. Sorry, yeah, that's true. The main thing is that Jeremy Davis, who plays Faraday in Lost, is basically playing the same character yes, in this film. Totally. They just picked him off from the one set, cryogenically froze him for a couple of years, and then thought him out for Lost, which is nice. At some stage, <laughs> someone says, nobody knows how a tornado works. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Which to me reminded yeah. me of no one knows how old sharks can live for yes. in the infamous movie Shark Man. Yeah. And as some say, someone also says, when you used to tell me you chased tornado, I thought that was a metaphor. What would that be a metaphor yeah. for? <laughs> yeah. Something sexual, I assume. <laughs> Basically, overall, you know, there were some, as Simon says, some slightly contrived moments, but um, I loved it. I oh, really, really enjoyed it. And I gave it eight out of 10. Oh, that's, yeah. my, that's my highest rating so far. I, I, at no point did I want to stop watching it. It was great. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, I fear that the fat lady may have started singing, as tonight my colleagues really have their work cut out for them. Because there is nothing that can take you out of a movie experience like the characters randomly bursting into song. Yes, you've guessed it. I've asked Simon and Dylan to assist me by giving me two films with musical numbers in them that are not musicals. Finding a film I'll like in this theme will be challenging, but I know they are up to the task. So... Before we get into it, guys, how do we feel about musical numbers in movies? Oh, I love it! <laughs> <laughs> I really thought mm. you were breaking out into song there. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. I mean, there's so many good films with good musical numbers in that aren't musicals. I know you, you shouted it out in the intro. Have you really not seen The Mask? Because that has a great, they call him Cuban Pete. I'm the king of the rumble beat. I, don't know, yeah. I have seen The Mask, surprisingly. Okay. Um, and it gave me nightmares. <laughs> Maybe it was the musical element of it. <laughs> All right. I don't think so. <laughs> Probably I not. watched it quite recently. It definitely wasn't that part. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there's um, Shape of Water briefly breaks away for black and white musical moment. That was a film that I almost chose. It's beautiful. But then I realized... Scott fish humping, so Andrew's probably not going to like it. Yeah, that was one of his kind of no-no rules yeah. <laughs> about picking movies. No fish humping. Yeah. Which is frustrating because I wanted to choose Help, I'm a Fish. <laughs> yeah. And you were talking about doing the cat in the hat. No, I was talking about doing good gill humping. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that Beetlejuice moment when they're at the table and they're saying Deo. Oh, yes. That's a wonderful moment. That is. Although I feel like if the mask gave Andrew nightmares, Beetlejuice <laughs> definitely would too. And don't say it again, because we've said it twice now, and we can't say it a third time. <laughs> I want to know, um, would you have allowed, I haven't done this, but would you have allowed me to pick Disney movies from like the Renaissance period, where it was like The Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid previously mentioned? Because those have a lot of musical numbers in, and they became <laughs> musicals, but were they really musicals when they were released? I would have said you could pick them, but only up until one song has been sung. <laughs> and that's the only part that Andrew's allowed to watch, and that's the only part you're allowed to fight for. I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> I do generally like um, a musical number bursting mm -hmm. out in a non-musical movie. 
I think that's fun. I will, however, um, play yin to your yang and say that that newer Coen Brothers film that we watched, Simon, what was it called? Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? No, no, no. It was, it was more recent than that. Oh, Brother, I Found You. <laughs> <laughs> that's not it, but that's great. It was called Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. That was it. Now, that film was confusing anyway. <laughs> When they threw a musical number in the middle of it and Scarlett Johansson was kind of like um, synchronized swim dancing, <laughs> it, it it doesn't strike me as a, a film I'll revisit, not only because it uh, had a musical number in it. Oh, but I mean that No Dames musical number with Channing Tatum, though. Hello. You and flipping Channing Tatum. I love him. Start spreading the news. Round one's here today. And round one is the star. Every movie has a main actor or actress, someone who makes a character come alive and who draws you into the world of the film. Tell me about the main star in your movie and I'll decide who'll be on stage and who'll be singing for their supper. Simon. All right, she's busted ghosts. She's trained dragons. She's been a hot dog bun. (laughs) 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 And in Wonder Woman 2, she transformed into a humanoid cheetah for, you know, reasons. It's SNL veteran and my favorite bridesmaid. It's Kristen Wiig. Andrew, when I think of female actresses who are in comedy that you might like, I think Kristen Wiig. Am I right? You are absolutely correct. Yeah! And I think it's worth pointing out that she lives up to her name in this film because she does wear a wig throughout the film. Wow, okay. It's a good thing her name wasn't turd. (laughs) (laughs) As you know, Simon, I am a big comedy fan. Mm -hmm. And Kristen, I mean, she's up there. She's comedy... What is it? Royalty. Royalty. Thank you very much. (laughs) I don't know why I'm helping. (laughs) I think you're right. Royalty is a right word. Yeah. Possibly above whatever actor or actress you're about to suggest. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, let's, let's hear it, Dylan. All right, here we go. He started as a PA on projects like Empire of Dreams, the story of the Star Wars trilogy, 2002 Spider-Man and Collateral Damage, but eventually quit after a bad experience on the set of Simon's favorite, The Mummy spin-off, The Ooh. Scorpion King. I assume the bad experience was The Scorpion King. <laughs> <laughs> Cut forward to his meteoric rise as one of the most popular actors on SNL, being allowed into the inner sanctum of the South Park writing room, lending his voice to numerous projects including Star Trek, Star Wars, Inside Out, Power Rangers, Toy Story. He's a multi-award nominated and winning actor. He's the very best part of most things he's in. Don't be a hater. It's Bill Hader. Hey! Very interesting choices tonight. And this is super interesting because Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig were in a film together called The Skeleton Twins. They were, and I said that he's the best part of all the things he's in. (laughs) (laughs) Also, as an added bonus, he's from last week's round two winner, Oklahoma! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Bill Hader, also a very strong choice. Well, I'm very glad because it almost sounded like Simon had won just by saying Kristen Wiig. (laughs) No, no, no. The the stakes have never been more even. (laughs) All right, I've got a little bit of a side quiz for Dylan, which will become apparent as to why it's important. Okay. Um, Kristen Wiig in this movie. Yes. She has something in common with these actors from other films, obviously. Okay. I want you to figure out what that thing is in common. I would open this to both of you, but Andrew, because you've only really seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Twister. It's very hard (laughs) for you to navigate this. All right, so... Quick question. Do I jump in when I know or do I wait for you to say everything? Oh, you can jump in as soon as you think you know. Let's go. All right, Peter Sellers, Meg Ryan, Michael Palin, Dick Van Dyke, Vanessa Hudgens, Michael J. Fox, Tom Hanks, 
Anything coming up right now? Um, at one point, I wanted to say they all had interesting surnames, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm mainly going on a wig there. <laughs> Dykes are pretty interesting surnames. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, is it something to do with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, oh, they've sorry. all voiced characters in some way or another. Yeah, they probably have, but that's not that's what not I've got either. down. They're all from the same place. Uh, no. They're all from the same time. All right. I'm going to make this <laughs> slightly easier for you. I'm going to add an extra name here, which might give you a big clue. Okay. I'm going to add Eddie Murphy onto this list. Oh, they've all been on SNL. No. I'm not <laughs> going to make it even easier, but it will fit into the category you've just said. Yeah. I'm going to add Mike Myers onto this list. <sighs> they've all been in film spinoffs from SNL. No. I wish I could help you. They've- I mean, this sounds... Like, it should be really obvious now. It, it is kind of obvious now that I've added Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers. If you were to isolate them together Eddie Murphy as actors, and Mike Myers. what are they classically known for doing in their movies? Voiceover. Stand-up comedy? Close. No, it's not close at all. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, wait. They've all worn a fat suit. Oh, you are so close. But why might oh. they be wearing that fat suit? <laughs> ah, because they've all played, played uh, relatives of themselves. That is close uh, one enough. One of them's a fat one. <laughs> is it that? that is close enough. I hate this quiz. <laughs> that is close <laughs> enough. They've all played multiple parts <laughs> in the same film. Oh. In this film. And this is why it's What relevant. is Vanessa Hutchins? Oh, that princess thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is why, Andrew, this is so important. It's because <laughs> you're not just getting one dose of Kristen Wiig. You're getting two doses okay. of Kristen Wiig because she's playing two characters. Yeah. Dill's oh, movie, only one bull hater. My movie, double bull hater, in that it's Kristen Wiig twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Also, Doesn't- there's no I in Wig. There's two eyes in Wig, and there's two wigs in his film. Very just true. To, just to add to the confusion of the joke. Doesn't um, Adam Sandler like to do that sort of thing quite uh, a bit? We, we don't want and to his, go down there. And no. his movies are, well, it's a questionable at best. Well, I and would if, say- And if they're using that strategy <laughs> for their movies, is that is, is Sandler involved at all? No, he's not involved. He he's doesn't do sure? a cameo in this film yeah, at all. he hasn't all. touched he's it. Not, <laughs> he's, not, he's not there. He, yeah, just move on. Yeah, what, suspicious. What hmm. Okay, Dylan- well, Bill Hader made some waves as the best part, naturally, at the celebrity roast of James Franco, playing the character of Mr. Hollywood. Now, I've watched a ton of these celebrity roasts. I kind of went through a phase where I was just watching them. And I think I've kind of got a feel for how they go. So, <laughs> welcome to the celebrity roast of Citizen Lame. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> hello, hello. It's good to be here. I got the invite and looked up Citizen Lame online. Apparently, it has like 22 listeners. So, I figured this would look good on my CV as charity work. (laughs) All right. Let's have a look at this dais. Ah, what a pathetic dais. If I wanted to see a panel of nobodies, I'd just look at a shelf of decapitated heads. Because they'd have no no bodies. Seriously, where did we get these guys? It's like someone ordered the Lonely Island, but on (laughs) Wish.com. We'll edit the laughs in sooner. Andrew Kerr. Andrew Kerr is here. Yes, yes. Andrew Kerr is the titular citizen lame. This guy has seen fewer movies than Moses. (laughs) Andrew Kerr is incredibly tall. This is a long applause. (laughs) 
People are loving Kerr. They are. Andrew Kerr is incredibly tall, but also looks surprisingly young. He's got the face of a hobbit and the body of an ant. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Kerr, yes, Andrew Kerr. Andrew Kerr was involved in the scout. I tell you, the only way he'd be helpful when lost on a mountain is if you've got no signal. You could climb up him to get above the clouds. <laughs> or shoot flares from his shoulders. <laughs> Seriously, Andrew, did you ever get your I'm super tall badge in the end? Andrew Kerr. Andrew Kerr drives a Honda Jazz. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> Audience loves it. Seriously, are you auditioning for a part in the inevitable reboot of The Golden Girls? <laughs> no, but seriously, I love Andrew Kerr with all my heart. <laughs> he's, a, he's an admirable man and a true hero to me, and it's an honor for me to be here. Thanks, man. I love you. <laughs> yeah, we shake hands, right? Yeah, we hug. Okay. Yeah. Oh, let's see what other garbage we have here on this day. <laughs> Simon oh, Street oh, is me. here. I'm here. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> yes, yes, Simon Street. Or as Mila Kunis calls him, my husband on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Sawyer or James Ford, whatever your name is, that time on the island has not done you any favors. <laughs> Am I right? Apparently, you're yes, right. he's right. Simon Streep likes the Muppets and Disney films. He's like a young child trapped in a grown man's body. Or as Tom Hanks' character in Big calls it, just another Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They like that one. Simon Streep loves TV and movies. He has so many subscriptions to streaming services. Even his subscriptions to streaming services have subscriptions to streaming services. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Simon Streep drives a Honda Jazz. <laughs> Seriously. Are you auditioning for the lead role in the inevitable reboot of Murder, She Wrote? <laughs> no, but seriously, Simon Streep is one of the best people I know, and it's a pleasure to be allowed onto the same stage as him tonight. He has spirit and character and integrity, and the world is a better place for having him in it i love you buddy yeah he's an angel <laughs> okay okay let's see what other human excrement we have left here <laughs> Dylan streep is here Dylan streep Dylan streep does not seem to smile by default have you noticed this what a grump he's got what i like to call resting hitch face <laughs> it's because his surname's hitchens oh. Dylan streep loves star wars yes yes he does <laughs> so much so that he's got an imperial symbol tattoo on his foot they must have charged more for words though otherwise he may as well have gone for I'm a massive dork <laughs> <laughs> I understand Dylan and Simon Streep are in a comedy band together as equal partners yeah equal my butt <laughs> let me just say this if riding coattails was an extreme sport Dylan Streep would be Tony Hawk am I right <laughs> Dylan Streep drives a Honda Jazz. <laughs> Seriously, are you auditioning for a role in the inevitable reboot of Maud? <laughs> No, but seriously, <laughs> Dylan Streep is the most humble, hardest working, and most compassionate person to have ever walked the earth. He is second to none, and I am less than dirt. Oh. I can't describe the great fortune I feel to be alive in the same time period as this immaculate specimen of a human being. Thanks for everyone. Love you to the moon and back. That's my time. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Bye. Very nice roasting skills. So, yeah, I think that's kind of how, how roasting goes. There is absolutely no contest. Dylan, you are the winner for round one. <laughs> Sweet, thanks. Round two is the setting. Now, there is almost no scenario when bursting into song is appropriate, or at the very least, not annoying. But a movie must have a year and a location, otherwise it's just audio. So, <laughs> tell me, 
what settings your movies have, and I'll adjust those settings down a few notches. Dylan. Okay, so it's hard to know for sure, but according to online sources, uh, my film takes place in Vancouver. It was definitely, <laughs> certainly shot there, and it feels super nostalgic. Characters ride bikes, they build stuff, they dance in shopping mall parking lots. Oh, they no, go it sounds missions. like creepy Halloween again. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like it. Oh, no. <laughs> well, despite the quite obvious 80s feel with the clothing choices, music cues, and references to other 80s films like Karate Kid and Footloose, not that those land on hearing ears <laughs> to Andrew no. to badly butcher a phrase. This film is actually set around 2007. So oh. we get the wonderful aesthetic of the 1980s. But to your delight, Andrew, they still have the internet. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> One of the places they spend a bit of time is the local ice rink. Mm. Um, and it got me thinking, do either of you have any great ice skating memories? I, my memories of uh, ice rinks are as follows. Not being able to do a cool stop. Yeah. You know, there's that like... Oh, the slidey yeah. stop, the slidey spray, stop. Spray ice up no. into somebody's face. Yeah, exactly. Impossible. Not being able to do that. I could go backwards, but not round the corner. <laughs> so, you, you've got to, at some point, do a little stop and then kind of oh, try like and make it look like cool. Like a tumble turn in a pool. Yeah, like a tumble turn. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also remember being very jealous of the guys who used to go on that funny car... Uh, to smooth out the ice. Uh, excuse me, the Zamboni. Sorry, the Zamboni. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Being very jealous of not getting a chance to ride on that thing. Okay. I mean, they were just, you know, cleaning stuff. That was their job. I know, but when you're a kid and you see a car on the ice, yeah. you just think it's like Tokyo Drift. Hey, <laughs> we saw cars on the ice once. Disney cars. Yes. At the world's worst <laughs> ice skating extravaganza. It's Disney's cars on ice. Was, it was so stressful. It was, as soon as one person falls, you're just on oh, edge man. like the rest of it. All of us went to go watch this Disney on ice thing. It was shocking for yeah. what I imagine would be quite an expensive Disney production. It seems like no one knew how to ice skate because yeah. every 10 seconds someone was wiping out. Also, the mm. problem with uh, bringing a couple of different films characters to life on the ice yeah. is that you've got Woody and Buzz in ice skates, Cinderella in ice skates, Beauty and the Beast in ice skates, and somebody with like a car thing <laughs> around their waist in ice skates. Like, just don't do cars. You're already stretching the imagination paper thin by bringing on these other characters. The other fear was, you know, the constant worry that you're going to have your fingers chopped off. Yeah, as soon so as I was going to ask over. that. Yeah. Did you know about this one, Simon? I've heard about it. Okay, so is, is this urban legend? I'm sure it's urban legend, it's but I'm sure it's very, about very it. plausible. No, I think it's happened. It must have happened. So if you fall, tuck your hands in and yeah. your toes. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... Sorry, not your toes. They're pretty well <laughs> and protected. And, and your neck. <laughs> oh, like a tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about what would happen if they didn't tell you that story and yeah. you, everyone was just flailing around <laughs> with their arms and fingers out. Yeah, doing <laughs> snow angels. <laughs> I, I think that ice rink music is the best music there is. I think that they should release albums now called ice rink playlists yeah because it's all that like miss jane it's a fine day uh, atb um i think it's just, dj it's just oh. kfm at 2 a.m in the morning yeah really i need to stay up later <laughs> and get some ice in my car <laughs> and you're just hearing you lament about what you weren't able to do on the ice and how jealous you were of those people <laughs> it, it feels like the ice rink might not really be the perfect location for you. Okay. Um, the vast majority of this film that I've chosen takes place 
at a beach holiday resort, which ordinarily sounds like a treat. <laughs> but last week, I tried to sell you on Thailand, and apparently, <laughs> you didn't like Thailand, and that's full of um, beach holiday resorts. So I'm not going to go down that route. I'm going to put that aside. We're going to deal with the film's secondary location, and that is an underground lair. Oh, interesting. Oh, and I could imagine this. You're in a field. You walk up to a tree. You get scanned with a laser by an owl. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then a door in the tree opens up, transporting you into an underground lair. I mean, that sounds exciting. That does sound exciting. That sounds incredible. I mean, have you ever wanted to have an underground lair or at the very least a secret passage? I mean, of course, as a child, you know, you, you build forts and yeah. then you build two forts and you connect them with a tunnel <laughs> and then you dig under your parents' house until it collapses. No. Yeah, I think as kids, we all thought those tunnels and forts were much more secretive than they were. If you could kind of take yourself out of your body and imagine this like human-shaped blanket like squirming along like a snake that's eaten a lamb, yeah. kind of like moving through the house. I remember being on a farm once with all my cousins and there was an enormous stack of hay bales yeah. And we essentially built a, a maze of tunnels with these hay bales. Oh, cool. And then uh, I had such bad hay fever, I had the next day of school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, tunnels and layers aside, um, and ice rings, because this film doesn't spend much time in the ice rink. I just thought it would be a fun little, <laughs> fun little time to spend. The fact that this film was set in Vancouver actually surprised me. So I thought, let's play a very quick round of, wait, they're from Canada? That surprises me. <laughs> I almost expect to hear audience applause at this point. So anyway, uh, this is a quick little quiz for the two of you. Um, each question, I'll give you three people from a movie or series, one of whom was born in Canada. And you can't pick the same person, so you're going to have to be pretty quick with your decision-making. All right. All right. So, from Firefly, we've got Nathan Fillion, Beep. Alan Tudyk, or Marina Baccarin. Tudyk was born in Canada. All right. And Kerr? Well, I was also going to say him, but I'll go for the last person then. All right. We're off to a flying start. It was Nathan Fillion. <laughs> <laughs> from last, uh, we got Matthew Fox, Dominic Monaghan, or Evangeline Lilly. Beep. I'm going to go Evangeline Lilly as Canadian. I know that it's not Dominic, so I'm going to go for the first one. All right. And we've got one point for Simon. Yay! I expected you to get that one. All <laughs> right. From Star Wars, Mark Hamill, James Earl Jones, or Hayden Christensen? Beep. Oh, Andrew, you got to get the early beep in. I really don't know who these people 15 are. 15 years of quizzing. Um, <laughs> it's all about the early beep. Yeah, but I'm, all on, I'm always on the other side of it. No practice. Simon? Yeah. I'm reckoning it's Hayden, potentially. All right. And Kerr? Uh, it's not Hamill, so the other one. James Earl Jones? Yes. Uh, it was Hayden Christensen. Yay! That's a big 2-0 lead to Simon from Arrested Development. We've Beep. got, nice, Michael Sarah, Jason Bateman, or Jessica Walter. May she rest in peace. Michael Sarah And Simon? Yeah, I'm going to say all three are from Canada. Oh, I'm going to minus points yeah, for you. Yeah, you're wrong. Jason Bateman two is of definitely them not. Aren't, so minus points on that. No, I'm kidding. But uh, we give the point to Andrew. Yay. Michael Sarah is the only one from that group. And from The Matrix, last up, Ooh. we got Carrie-Anne Moss, Keanu Reeves, or Lawrence Fishburne. I feel like there's a small, very small chance that Keanu is from Canada. So Beep. voting Beep. for Keanu and Kerry. I, I think it's Kerry. Carrie-Anne Moss. That's the one. And that point goes to Andrew. Yay. So that gives us a two-all draw. Ooh. So the tiebreakers, quickly name a Canadian. Go. Beep. Simon. Alanis Morissette. You win! Yay! <laughs> Very well done. 
I don't know if that quiz has swayed you, Andrew, but it's probably worth mentioning this lair comes complete with a trained mouse orchestra which can play dramatic stings on cue. Dun dun dun! Ah, like the dramatic chipmunk. <laughs> All right, I've made my decision. And although these were two very close, again, it's you guys are, it's close rounds. I can mm. say that. It's, you, you're well matched this episode. Um, I was pulled in by the ice rink, but you had me at laser scanning owl. <laughs> I need to see a laser scanning owl. So, Simon, you get the point. Yay! That brings us to round three, the sounds. Cinema is not just a visual medium. Songs, scores, and sounds all elevate our movie experience. The hills are alive <laughs> with the sound of choose flicks. What about your film will be music to my ears? Let's go to Simon. All right, well, this movie has two full-blown musical numbers in, but I'm not going to try silly on those numbers, mainly because- it sounds like it should be not <laughs> eligible, but whatever. <laughs> News to me. Well, <laughs> the thing is, it sounds like you guys need to establish the rules for the rounds. <laughs> yeah. Look, the film had to have a musical number in. This film has two, so you're getting, once again, two Kristen Wicks, two <laughs> musical numbers. Double but trouble. I feel like both of them are so great, they need to be experienced- as they arrive in the film, and I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. So what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sort of take you down memory lane with me for a little bit. <laughs> strap in. <laughs> it's a long journey. Hmm. But there's an artist that makes an appearance in this film that I think has an interesting backstory, at least in how I discovered them. Mm-hmm. So picture this. It's years ago. We're talking about probably early two thousands. I'm going to UCT with my friend Jenny. She drives us there in the morning on some days. Jeez, this is detailed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She used to play quite heavy music in the car, like Down with the Sickness by a band called Disturbed. Oh, yeah. You know, the one that goes, Wah! Um, mm, that was so good. Good it's impression. Quite, it's quite fun to do. It sounds like an angry monkey. Um, <laughs> and she used to listen to that. And then one day I was watching a film. It was the remake of Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder version. And lo and behold, <laughs> they had a moment with On the Rooftop and suddenly Down with the Sickness is playing. But it's not the disturbed version. Oh, It's got this kind of... Your mother get up. Come on, get down with... Anyway, it was really cool. Yeah. And this opened the world to me for the artist who's actually in this movie, a guy called Richard Cheese. Ah, I know who Richard yes. Cheese is. Yeah, he used to do um, covers of often heavier songs in this kind of lounge yeah. format. He had I, a... I recently went through a Richard Cheese phase. Yeah, he had like Lounge Against the Machine was one of his albums. Very good. Appetit for Destruction, I think was another mm. one. Yes. <laughs> this was back when... You couldn't just go onto YouTube and find all sorts of different covers and all sorts of different genres of all different songs. Like this was sort of very rare at the time. Yeah. So that's what made it very special. And he's in this movie. He sings some songs just at the piano kind of in the, in the holiday resort. Mm. So all that to say, yeah. he's in this movie. And another song that's in this movie is one of my favorites, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. So here's me doing my very best. Oh, doing yes. Doing what I feel is my best Richard Cheese version of Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Let's go, girls, come on. I'm going out tonight, I'm feeling all right. I'm gonna let it all hang out. Wanna make some noise, really oh, raise my voice. Yeah, I wanna scream and shout. The best thing about <laughs> being a woman is a prerogative to have a little fun and. Whoa, oh, oh, go totally crazy. Forget I'm a lady. Men's shirts, short skirts. Whoa, oh, oh, really 
they go wild, yeah, to women in style. Whoa, oh, oh. I know that the in the last action. season you told us that the song makes you take your clothes off. <laughs> Why are your clothes still on? <laughs> oh, 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 o
I've just <laughs> gone through that Richard Cheese phase, and I'm excited by Simon's jazzy cover. Simon, Yay! you get the point. Woohoo! Congrats. Well, it seemed like you guys went rogue, so it's time for round four, the scenes. And I thought I would wrap the intro. <laughs> yes, <Wow>. please. <laughs> Memorable films have memorable scenes, moments which etch into your memories. You might have a visceral reaction that you only find upon reflection. They might make you laugh or shout or cry. They might make you scared or feel you can fly. You must describe, no spoilers please, all your movie standout scenes. Word. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. So, Dylan, you're up first. Okay, so as much as I'd like to describe the musical number that puts my film into today's category... It's just, it's so much fun and so bizarre and dense that it deserves to be seen unspoiled. Okay. So instead, I'd like to take a moment to convey to you one of the greatest bits of physical comedy ever put to film. Ooh, I think I know what this might be. (laughs) I think you might. Our protagonist has fled his house in an act of rage and heads to the forest to dance out his feelings. (laughs) He's spinning around and jumping up and over trees and logs. (laughs) At one point, he starts performing gymnastics on a tree stump that's now clearly a pommel horse. If you look closely, it's got handles and everything. It's pretty funny. All of this is taking place to a rocking 80s soundtrack. But then, Andrew, he trips. And he falls, and he rolls, and he falls, and the music cuts, and what follows is 47 seconds of this guy (laughs) falling down a mountain. And it is glorious. You get these wide shots of him rolling past the camera. One or two times, he's kind of rolling through the air, but not really touching anything, like the physics of the scene don't even make any sense. (laughs) Honestly, I remember crying with laughter the first time I saw this. with Rich Graham, funnily enough, our bassist. So much so that we had to do the old pause, finish crying and replay the scene just to actually see all of it. It's by far the funniest fall I've ever seen. And now anytime someone does a fall down a hill, whether it's like an action film or a thriller, or even in a comedy, I think of this scene and how much better they did it. Best fall ever. What's funny is that, you know, you've described an incredibly long fall and a movie which has a really long fall is Kung Pao. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if that's a plus in your eyes, then uh, so be it. It is. It is a big plus in my eyes, uh, Simon. Actually, before I let you know, Kung Pao isn't my favorite film ever. <laughs> just want to say that. I just, in, you know, enjoyed it like, you know, the average man on the street does. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. ask me as an average man on the street if I enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't, uh, did you watch it? No. There we go. <laughs> right. Simon. <laughs> All right. Uh, similar to Dull, I can't actually give you my favorite scene in the film because hmm. it would be a spoiler. It involves a crab. That's all I can say. Crab? It's, it, was, it also had me cry laughing and those moments are rare these days in comedies. So I did, did appreciate that. But instead, I'm going to go for another really great scene that happens early on in the film, so I don't think it's going to be a spoiler. Um, basically, the two main characters end up going to a talking club. So you've heard of a book club before, you've heard of a movie club before, but have you heard of talking club? I thought, you probably haven't, so let's have a quick talking club right now. Yay! Okay. I have, right. for the show, written a bunch of um, topics we can talk about put them in a jar shuffling them here if you oh, can't. what's the context are we trying to make friends are we trying to get to know our friends better we are never given any context in the oh, film as okay. to why these women are having right. a talking club but it is hilarious um so here we go andrew do you want to pick out oh, a topic for talking club i'd love to thank you he's passing me a glass bowl with multiple little pieces of paper and i have chosen right. 
Joshua Dore. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Now, um, we have to talk about Joshua Dore. You, you might want to um, kick things off. Okay. Yes. Um, he's got a very cute logo with an old man with his balding and he's <laughs> sitting sitting on a couch. It's, it's cute in the sense that it's like a cartoony drawing. Okay. Not in the sense that I find him attractive. Right, no, you've already ruined Joshua Dole for me by calling him cute. Oh. Do you want to try your hand at this? Oh, do I not get to talk about Joshua Dole? Oh, wait, hang on. Um, Dole, are those sneakers that you're wearing uh yes uh sorry you are not allowed in a talking club ah uh, there are th- only three rules yeah. um labeled in talking club uh, number one is no sneakers number two is no swearing except for the f word <laughs> um <laughs> hopefully um number three won't come up but uh, andrew do you want to quickly i'll have another go give, a, give another go I'll, I'll give it a give it a better shot than i did before all right let's see i've got two here there's one um, <clears throat> Diagon Alley. <laughs> All right. Now, Diagon Alley is somewhere that I definitely wanted to visit uh, when I was reading the Harry Potter books. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever been there? I've never. Oh, sorry, were you talking don't to Dole? Me. You can't talk to Dole. Where He's, am I now? Have I, I can't been talk kicked to out? Dole. I think you've been properly kicked out. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking through a window. Yeah. Oh. Uh, my card. Oh wow! <laughs> Just for the audience at home, what have I picked? You've picked. What is that? Kirsty Alley. <laughs> I picked Kirsty Alley. Isn't that fun? <laughs> he picked Diagon Alley and I picked Kirsty Alley. Amazing. Oh, wow. Um, so the other topics we could have had were uh, backwash. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> we could have had um, My Heart Will Go On. Isn't that nice? Um, You're not going to go through all of them. There's like 500 <laughs> papers in there. <laughs> uh, this last one, what was this? Leachies. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I just spent a lot of time <laughs> making these things, and I knew this round wouldn't go on long enough to get through them all. <laughs> At least, you know. Did you by any chance do this after one thirty when you recorded that song? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, let's have a look at one more. Uh, the Purpose Driven Life. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that, and for that very reason, I mean, you know, he was winning it anyway with a long fall. I know, I know. I was never going to beat that, Dylan. You got the point. Hooray! Finally, we find ourselves in the last round, the story. Each story begins with a golden idea, a premise, an intriguing setup which entices the viewer to watch the film in the first place. This round is worth three points. What's your story that will tinkle the ivories of my imagination? Simon. Well, Andrew, I know in the first season of Citizen Lamb, you began enjoying what became known as coming of age movies. Oh, okay. Well, and in, a bit you, of a stretch, really. Yeah. Well, you, you loved them. You loved the way way back. You loved um, what was the other one with the dad on the beach? Old. <laughs> Andrew would not like that no. film. He loved them, but Andrew, what you probably haven't even watched and expanded your mind to yet is a coming of middle age story. Okay, uh, very and clever. It's wonderful to have such a story juxtaposed amongst. On the one side, there are these two people leaving their small city for the first time, experiencing a holiday of a lifetime, and then some <laughs> person wanting to release killer bees, I think, <laughs> at some sort of food festival that they desperately need a thought, and there's a, a little kid in a submarine at one stage. What? It is a crazy <laughs> film, and it is worth watching to truly understand it <laughs> i know we're not usually allowed to butt in on each other's stories did they construct the story of their film out of your little jar of random <laughs> notes <laughs> i think so <laughs> it's called the backwash <laughs> okay I, I mean it it sounds like it's a crazy film 
I'm not sure how I feel about it just yet. <laughs> um, Dylan? All right. So we're talking about a group of childhood friends who, together with the help of newcomer Denise, will <laughs> attempt to land the biggest stunt of their careers in order to raise the funds needed to save the protagonist's dad only so that he can whip his butt fair and square in a fight. <laughs> Lead guitars, wooden ramps, shuriken throwing stars, downhill luge, vitamin waters, porta pools, and even a bagpiper. This film oh, has man. it all. And Andrew, as someone with seemingly very little time, it comes in at a sleek and nifty one hour 26. Okay, let's uh, party. I mean, if it's under an hour and a half, is it even a film? <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that's a philosophical question for another time. Sure, guys. Simon, I think uh, what happened there is that you tried to throw... So many things into the basket. You know, you talked about killer bees. You talked about <laughs> holidays, beach, coming of age, submarines. To be perfectly honest, that tied with the laser scanning aisle <laughs> is just becoming overwhelming. <laughs> I, I like the idea of a little bunker where you can like hide away. But, um, the you know, childhood friends, a bagpiper. <laughs> I have an obligation to see that story. And for those reasons, Dylan, you get the point. Yay! And I can reveal that the winner is Dylan. Yay! Oh. Simon, I'm very sorry that you lost. Thank um, you. But can you tell me what film I'm missing out on? You are missing out on an absolute gem. Directed by Josh Greenbaum and written by and starring Annie Mamalo and Kristen Wiig, it's 2021's Bob and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> Highly recommended. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a great film. It's quite a mouthful. Oh, but it's amazing. Okay. Uh, stay for the crab. All right. I, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never heard of it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pull a Klaus on you <laughs> and, and watch it all the same. Dylan, can you tell me, please, what film I will be watching this week? All right. So from IMDb, self-proclaimed stuntman Rod Kimball is preparing for the jump of his life to clear 15 buses to raise money for his abusive stepfather Frank's life-saving heart operation. Oh. It's 2007's Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Awesome. That sounds exciting. And just another piece of trivia that I think Simon would really like. Ooh. Behind the scenes, or after filming was done for the day, Yorma Tacone would often go naked from the waist down. <laughs> the waist down? Brackets, besides shoes and socks. <laughs> That's the wrong half. It's the wrong half, but I feel like there's this legend around Simon that he likes to go naked that way if he's going to go naked one way. Yeah. The Donald Duck. The Donald Duck. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like he had a bit of a hot rod. Okay, you're <laughs> incorrigible. Oh, come on, guys. Right, that's it for this episode. Join us next week in the battle for my movie affections, as well as a report back of how I enjoyed Hot Rod. If you've yet to watch that film too. <laughs> the way you say it is yeah. very different to how people who've seen that film say it. Yeah. I think it's more hot rod. We're not asking you to change your complete way of life here, Kurt. Yeah. You just have to watch the film. All right. Well, if you've yet to watch that film too, you have seven days to join me in my education. Until next week, goodbye. Bye. Bye. His name is Andrew and he's citizen lady. 